In the movie Sleepless in Seattle, a young mother dies, leaving behind her husband and her seven-year-old son. At one point, a year or so after the mother has died, the little boy asks his father, do you believe in heaven? The father replies, I never did, but now I don't know. I dream of your mother sometimes and she's so real. Well, those of us who were raised with the belief in life after death sometimes have a hard time imagining how people cope with the thought that their deaths will be the utter end of themselves and of the ones they love. But we all must face the question, after we die, is there something more, something next? Well, Jesus knew there was something next, and his last words from the cross bear witness to his faith. Today on Groundwork, we look at another word from Jesus as he died. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose. And Dave, we are now on the second to the last program, the program number six in our last words from the cross, the, the seven last words that we glean from the four Gospels. We've looked at uh, five of them so far, uh, and we have one very triumphant word to go, which we'll look at in the final episode in this series coming up next. But today, uh, we're going to go to uh, a final word from Jesus from the cross that is found only in Luke's gospel. Right. And uh, before we get to that, maybe we should back up just a little bit in the story. Because, again, uh, as we pointed out more than once, the the different gospels uh, include some minor details that uh, are unique often to each particular writer. And in Luke's case... There's an incident that happened to Jesus on the way to the cross that is both unique and just a bit puzzling. We'll pick up the reading from Luke 23, verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are are the childless women, the wombs that never bore, the breasts that never nursed. And then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? And so a very curious yeah. thing, which you don't find in Matthew, Mark, or John, right. where on his way to the cross, Jesus has a little time out. And despite all the whipping and the agony and the fact that he's going to die, he stops and delivers a little sermon yeah. of all things. Right Now, Matthew and Mark also mention Simon of Cyrene as uh, the man who helped Jesus carry his cross. So... In in fact, one of those identifies him as Simon of Cyrene, the father of Rufus and uh, I forget the other brother, Rufus's brother. But uh, one of the things that probably indicates is that people to whom the Gospels were addressed, for whom they were written in the early church, knew these folks because their names are mentioned. And uh, the implication is they were there. They've become believers now, too. You could go ask them about it. Ask ask Simon, ask old Simon about the time he carried Jesus' cross, which is kind of fascinating. Jesus is going to the cross, and there's all these people following him, including people who loved him, apparently, and who were mourning, and they were audibly weeping. and, And Jesus sees this and stops and gives a terrible 
word of judgment saying, don't worry about me. I'm going to be yeah, fine. Right. But if you do not get on God's side of things, the day is going to come when Jerusalem is going to fall and it's going to be so horrible, you're going to wish you never had children because you're going to see your children die. You're going to want the mountains to fall on you. And this isn't the first time in Luke that Jesus pronounces a word of judgment. It happened also in Luke 19 in what we often call the triumphal entry But it wasn't that triumphal in Luke because before Jesus even gets to the city, uh, he weeps, he stops and weeps and pronounces judgment. Right. Uh, How often I would have gathered you, he says to the city, uh, to its inhabitants, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you refused. You would not. Because they failed, he said, you failed to recognize what time it is. And the time was the coming of the Messiah, which seems strange at the triumphal entry because they were all just saying, blessed be the king. It looked like they recognized Jesus, but they were doing it for the wrong reasons. And so here's this note of judgment. Jerusalem is going to fall, and it will in 70 AD. Right. And Jesus says that's going to be judgment from God. It's not exactly what you would have thought Jesus would have said at this particular point. When you see people mourning and weeping, you might think Jesus would stop and say, oh, my children, be ye comforted. Yeah. I I've got this. I I shall handle all things and all will be well. But no, he stops and says, yeah, you're in a lot of trouble if you don't get with God's program. He does. And it's a very sobering reminder of the importance for us to respond with faith and with trust. What Jesus does for us, what he did for humankind, he offers to one and all freely. But we have the responsibility to say yes to him and uh, to put our trust in him. You know how often I would have gathered you, he says to the people of Jerusalem, but you refused. Somehow human uh, freedom comes to bear on this most momentous of questions. And as you say, Scott, it is rather jarring, this note of judgment that intrudes on the story of the cross, because God so loved the world, you know, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. The most famous verse in the Bible. But for those who don't believe, the consequences are dire. And the the next time, by the way, that we hear the words, you will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us, are in the book of Revelation in connection with Christ's return. And from chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6, which includes one of the most jarring Mm. phrases in the Bible, they will say at the end uh, in the judgment, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. And you think, how can a lamb have wrath? Uh, But it's true, yeah. For Jesus, of course, on his way to die for the sins of the world, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising that judgment might have been high uh, in his mind at that particular moment. When you're on your way to the cross to die for the sins of the world, this is as serious as it gets. And so Jesus isn't going to stop and deliver some cheery little sermonette to say it'll be fine, chin up, you know. He's going to stop and say, look, I'm dying because of judgment. Sin is this serious. What I'm about to do is this serious. So that makes perfect sense that we can't, and we like to skip over judgment and hell in the church today. A lot of preachers just literally, even sometimes the revised common lectionary, which is a scripture guide for preachers, will just also delete three verses in the middle of a passage. You say, oh, which verses are those? Oh, the ones where Jesus talks about judgment and hell. Jesus talked about hell more than anybody in the New Testament. You can't ignore it. The cross tells us that it is exactly that 
serious. And so for Jesus to speak these words on the way to the cross makes makes a lot of sense. But of course, what we want to get to in just a moment is the word, next word Jesus speaks from that cross. And we'll take that up in just a moment. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose, and we are in Luke 23, Dave, the crucifixion of Jesus, and we're going to want to get at uh, one of the last words of Jesus from the cross. We just looked at a curious thing that happened en route to Golgotha, to the crucifixion site where Jesus makes a dire prediction of judgment on Jerusalem. Uh, Now we want to get to uh, starting at verse 44 of Luke 23 and hear the word from the cross we want to think about. So Luke writes, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. So Luke is, uh, it's kind of interesting the way he describes Jesus' death, and he, he has a number of short phrases, but we're not quite sure in what order they happen. He, he states them one after another. Uh, he says that it was noon and there was darkness, the sun stopped shining. Uh, what did that mean? What was that like? Uh, not presumably a natural occurrence, not an eclipse of the sun, but suddenly uh, this eerie supernatural darkness descends, and the curtain of the temple was torn. That probably happened when Jesus died, but Luke states it first. And Jesus calls out with a loud voice, and Luke says that what he said was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's a little bit curious because all the Gospels say that at the end, just as he died, Jesus shouted something. But they they report different things <laughs> that he shouted. So uh, we assume he said all three, but not quite sure in what order he said right. them. But for this particular word, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, it doesn't seem super dramatic. And if you didn't believe in God or in a fa- heavenly father, you might think, well, that's just delusional thinking. He's dying and uh, you know, you know, wishing for a better life and it won't happen. But what's very interesting about this is the effect. So we we'll want to think about the actual word, uh, and we'll do that more in the, in the last segment of this program. But this word had tremendous effect. It, it convicted a Roman soldier that he was a righteous man. And then the people who had come there to just sort of watch the public execution, you know, it was cheap, free entertainment, Uh, sick though that seems to us, but this was true through a lot of history. Public executions were carnival atmospheres, but they heard this word and they went away beating their breasts. Like this wasn't all that fun after all. They were shaken up. Why? What happened? 
did you catch that? Uh, because this is the very crowd that's mocking him, that's laughing at him, that's, right. uh, hey, come down from the cross, Mr. Messiah, and we'll believe in you. And now, after the darkness and after the loud cry and with these last terrible words and, and in some sense, uh, words of faith and commendation, they beat their breasts. It's like all, they're deflated like a balloon that's, yeah. that uh, has become untied, and they go home in a very somber mood, right. very different. And it may be on one level, we're gonna, I'm going to suggest another level in just a second, but it may be that they recognized that some horrible miscarriage of justice had happened here. Surely this was a righteous man, the soldier cries out, uh, meaning, oh, no, we just watched an innocent man die, which is horrible, right? So that alone could have upset the people and set them away beating their breasts and caused the soldier to say what he did. But maybe it was also because this, these words made such an impression because of how Jesus said it. Usually when people died on a cross, their last sound was sort of like, you know, a croak and you're gone. But we're told that in the Greek language that Jesus cried out with phone megale, which means uh, voice loud, from which we get our English word megaphone, hmm. an amplified voice, a phone megale, a megaphone voice. Was there some divine majesty in what Jesus somehow summoned? And did it, did it give them the willies a little bit and scare them silly? Maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I always thought that the loud cry was uh, the last word that John records, which we're going to consider in our next program, right. and that he followed, maybe followed that with this. We're taking them in a different order for a particular reason, but he followed this kind of breathing this in a calmer voice. But maybe you're right, Scott. I never thought of that before, that Luke does say he he used his megaphone voice and with that, he died. They also all say he breathed his last. He literally, he, to use the Latinate word, he expired. He right. breathed out his final breath. But again, characteristically, the prayer that he offers here, and it is a prayer, uh, begins and is addressed to his father. So whatever else has happened at this moment, Jesus knows to whom he is committing himself. And Again, as so often with the last words on the cross, he's quoting from a psalm here. This is actually found in Psalm 31, verse 5, in the midst of a passage where the psalmist is calling for the Lord in whom he's put his trust. He says, Lord, uh, I've taken refuge in you. Uh, let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Well, that didn't happen to Jesus here yeah, on the yeah. cross. But this is the context. Keep me free from the trap that's set for me, for you are my refuge. And then verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, Lord, my faithful God. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. Beautiful psalm. And surely Jesus is living that sure. now. And once again, we talked about this in the previous program when he quotes from Psalm 22. Jesus is so saturated with the words of particularly the Psalms, as good, devout Jewish people were and are, that these words come readily to his lips, even in extremis, even right. in this extreme circumstance, that he is fulfilling Scripture, that this is part of the plan, and that too. So 
yeah, maybe the megaphone voice scared people, but the fact that he seemed to die so willingly, that he seemed to be so in control, that he seemed to have so much confidence in this father to whom he is commending his spirit, that too probably made a deep, deep impression on the people and is part of why the soldier said, this looks like a righteous man to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he looks like he's got an awful close relationship to the God he calls father. And that too made a deep, deep searing impression on the people standing nearby. It sure did. It's a wonderful lesson for us, too. Uh, Many, many Christians through the centuries have found in Scripture a comfort in their last hour, either memorized and spoken by them or, or read to them by those nearby. And Jesus models that for us, too, as he, he, for him, death was not a leap into the void. It wasn't just sort of a journey into nothingness or who knows where. It was a committing of himself to his father. And uh, how that can be applicable further to our lives is what we want to consider in just a moment. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Scott Jose, along with Dave Bast, and you're listening to Groundwork and the program number six of a seven-part series of The Last Things Jesus Said from the Cross. And in this program, we're looking at uh, something we read in Luke, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we've looked at uh, what that meant in the life of Jesus, uh, why it elicited such a huge reaction of people being cut to the quick. But now I think we also want to think a little bit about, uh, on a more pastoral, practical level, what 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 does this word promise to us today, that Jesus would die with that kind of confidence in his Father? It's true. And Scott, you mentioned uh, early in the program the puzzlement that many believers have that people could face death uh, with no hope of anything beyond and not be sort of overwhelmed by that. But the fact is, most people don't give it much thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we seem to ourselves uh, to be immortal. I, I One of my favorite jokes supposedly was told by Sigmund Freud, where the fellow turns to his wife and says, you know, if one of us should die, I think I would go live in Paris. Mm. Uh, we find it impossible to conceive that it's not the other person who's going to die. It's actually me. And so <laughs> people do kind of live their lives without giving much thought to what lies next, what lies beyond. And we said at the opening of the program, referring to a, a movie, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, uh, where a father you know, is asked by his little boy whose mother has died, do you believe in heaven? And he said, I never did. And for those of us who were raised with a belief in heaven or hell, and uh, for those of us who were comforted and are comforted with the knowledge that there is not only just life after death, but it can be a profoundly wonderful life with God after death. It's hard for us to imagine how people just have such a bleak view of things. Jesus didn't. We saw another word earlier in the series to the penitent thief on the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And now in this word, Jesus knows there's a next. Uh, His last heartbeat isn't going to be the end of him. And it's a promise for all of us that neither will it be the end of each of us. Right. 
Now, though, maybe we should point out a bit of the complexity of Jesus' final words. We've put them in a certain order in the series, somewhat different from the traditional order. But all of the four Gospels say that at the end, at the very end, after three terrible hours of darkness, after all these uh, many hours of suffering, beginning with the terrible beating that he endured before the crucifixion, Mm -hmm. which would have lacerated his back and opened wounds, and then to be nailed to the cross, to be suspended where every breath is an agony, and uh, finally after three hours of darkness, all four of them say that he cried out, he shouted something, and then he said something and died but they record different words Mm -hmm. that we have to piece together. So in John's gospel, which we'll look at in our final program, the word is, it's finished. Mm -hmm. And in Matthew and Mark, the word is the cry of dereliction, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But here in Luke, it's this statement of faith and confidence, Father, into your hands I commit myself. So So, Yeah, the tension is obvious, right? Did Jesus die screaming, why? Or did he die saying, Father, into your hands? I Was the Father there? Well, he said, you've abandoned me in, in one gospel. Or was the Father, you know, there very much so that Jesus can say, you know, into your hands? So there is a tension there, and it, it may not be uh, easy to resolve. Is it der- Did he die in dereliction or in trust? You know, abandoned by God or abandoning himself to God? And the, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, yes. <laughs> Did the Father turn his back on Jesus or his face toward him? Yes, yeah, both. And, you know, I think that if we unpack that tension a little bit, Dave, probably it's something more of us can identify with than we might at first suspect. I think so, because so often, especially if we've undergone tragedy or mm-hmm. or loss of some very serious kind, we feel the absence of God keenly. We wonder, are our prayers simply going up and bouncing off the clouds and, mm-hmm. and rebounding on top of our heads, that there's no one there, no one to hear, no one to listen? Uh, we are even maybe tempted in our bleakest hours to say there is no heavenly Father into whose hands we can commit our mm-hmm. spirits. So, yeah, we we get that, I think. Right. But at the same time, God's saints have testified through the ages, some of whom have suffered almost unbelievable, unimaginable losses in their life, that nevertheless he was there with right. them in the shadow of death. We've referenced this book before, I think even in this series, but the pastor and theologian Fleming Rutledge uh, has written a a very large landmark book recently called The Crucifixion. And at one point she tells the story of a theologian whose son was killed in a tragic accident. And somebody later asked this theologian, how how had you managed to go on as a Christian after such a devastating loss? How can you make it? And, And what's it like to be a Christian after that kind of a loss of your child? And the theologian pointed to this very tension, abandonment by God and the closeness of God, and it's both. And the father said, that's what it's like. Sometimes God feels like he's far away. Sometimes he feels like he's so very close. And sometimes it's both at the same time. (laughs) So we live in this tension between these two last words of the cross, between my God, my God, why? And father, into your hands. Um, That's where a lot of us live. And the good news is, is that the gospel has a word to speak to both. Absolutely. And I think, too, that this word of Jesus from the cross is a word that we can very readily take up and use ourselves. 
it can be found on our lips and not only in our last hour, although I certainly hope when my last hour comes, if I have any consciousness of it, Mm. if I'm not totally out of it, that I'll be able to pray this. But it's something we can pray when we get up in the morning Mm -hmm. and when we go to bed at night. I remember, I mean, this may sound a little bit uh, dramatic, but whenever I used to get on an airplane, I would often uh, pause as I got in my seat, close my eyes into into silence, say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Not that I was, you know, thinking something was going to happen or afraid of flying, but uh, just this wonder, but before you take a journey, uh, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, to live with that kind of closeness of committing your, yourself to the Father's hands. It is the posture we all have as disciples of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for joining our Groundwork Conversation. I'm Scott Jose with Dave Bast. Please let us know how we can help you to dig deeper into the Bible. We have a website, groundworkonline.com. Visit it and give us passages and topics for future Groundwork programs. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 